Hello, welcome to Bible Read Me. I'm Charles Vanderson. Today I will begin summarizing the daily chronological reading of the Bible beginning on July the 16th, day 197. We return to reading Isaiah's prophecies dated around 714 to 701 BC of the destruction of Ethiopia, Babylon, Jerusalem, and Tyre. Isaiah prophesied the ultimate fate of Tyre and its sister city, Sidon, that was fulfilled when Alexander the Great figured out how to conquer the well-fortified island by creating a half-mile-long road out of the rubble scattered on the mainland to reach it in 332 BC. Because each of these kingdoms depended solely on their own military power and political prowess, God made them self-destruct through civil discord and bad leadership with their foolish remedies. Because they partied hard in the face of God's judgment and refused to repent in humility, he swore that they would never be forgiven. This is what is termed a sin of a high hand. Isaiah prophesied that Eliakim would replace proud Shebna. While the details of how this drama unfolded are not recorded, the results will be evidenced in July the 20th reading when Eliakim works for King Hezekiah. These prophecies are peppered with references to Christ's millennial kingdom and a quote found in chapter 22, verse 22, that Jesus applied to himself about his having the authority to choose who would and who would not enter into his future Davidic kingdom. Reference Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. July the 17th, day 198. We read some of Isaiah's undated prophecies. In them, we can learn about God's character. If God could ever be accused of being unfair, it would be in the way he patiently withholds his righteous judgment of rebels. He continually instructs, provides for, and equips, but the rebels continually ignore, reject, and pervert their intended purpose in life, that being to honor and worship their maker. Then before his righteous discipline is dealt to them, he repeatedly warns, there is coming a purging. Only a remnant of faithful believers will survive. In that day, the faithful people will proclaim, This is our God. We trust Him, and He saved us. Let us rejoice in the salvation He brings. Reference Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. In addition, they say, Lord, we show our trust in You by obeying Your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify Your name. Reference Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. Isaiah also prophesies the resurrection of the dead. Isaiah 26, verse 19. I suppose the Sadducees, who denied the resurrection of the dead in Jesus' time, overlooked this verse. July the 18th, day 199. We read God's indictment of Judah's sin of putting her trust in the Egyptian military without even considering God's mighty saving power. He waited for those who would return to him so that he could bless them, but he prepared horrific disaster for those who refused to look to him. Then he did, and also will in the future, destroyed Judah's oppressors, and Jerusalem's inhabitants will rejoice with singing. Some phrases used that are repeated in Revelation are ears to hear, the Spirit being poured out from heaven, God will make his home in Jerusalem, all will see his splendor, and write down these words, they will stand to the end of time. Resting in Jesus will save your soul, reference Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. The final verse in today's reading promises, the people of Israel will no longer say, 
we are sick and helpless, for the Lord will forgive their sins. July 19th, day 200. We read another of Isaiah's undated prophecies, and we begin reading the writings of Micah, which probably occurred just before the Assyrian invasion of Jerusalem around 703 B.C. The subject matter of both prophets' proclamations contained warnings and condemnations for the world's nations and promises of restoration with prophecies of Jesus' coming and his divine activities peppered throughout. Micah accurately pinpointed Bethlehem as Jesus' birthplace seven centuries before his arrival. Micah repeated Isaiah's statement that God will ignore the cries of those who repeatedly refuse his salvation by committing sins of a high hand at the time of his invitation. Compare Isaiah chapter 22 verse 14 with Micah chapter 3 verse 4. Micah chapter 4 verse 1 through 3 is almost verbatim with Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1 through 5 found in the June 29th reading. Micah accurately predicted the Lord's return of the exiled Hebrew diaspora. Micah prophesied the ultimate destruction of the rebellious wicked and the salvation of the obedient remnant worshipers of God. Their obedience was the evidence that they possessed faith in God. It was not the source of their salvation. He foretold that the future ruler of Israel will be one whose origins are from the distant past. This can only be appropriately applied to Jesus Christ. July the 20th, day 201. We read the rest of Micah's prophecies. First, the Lord made a case against Israel, demanding that they bring any evidence that would counter his argument that he had done all he could do to teach them about his faithfulness. They ignored what was obvious and incurred guilt that resulted in their punishment. Michael remembered that God's anger does not last forever because he delights in showing unfailing love. Then Judah's history narrative resumed, continuing from where it left off on July the 2nd of our reading. The Assyrian army invaded Judah around 703 BC, and their chief of staff, Shennacherib, shouted threats in the Hebrew language so that the common people could understand and panic in fear. King Hezekiah encouraged the people by telling them to trust the Lord's superior strength, but he also made a failed attempt to appease the Assyrian king by sending him all the gold that he stripped from his palace and the temple, which amounted to 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold. Shennacherib claimed that the Lord had told Assyria to attack. This is doubtful. He probably heard of Isaiah's prophecies against Judah. July 21, day 202. We read how King Hezekiah responded to Assyria's threat. The Assyrian chief of staff, Shennacherib, said that his army would destroy Jerusalem as easily as it did many other defeated nations where he arrogantly burned their idol gods. He blasphemed God by claiming that God was just as inept to save them from the Assyrian army. King Hezekiah sent messengers, including Eliakim, to Isaiah. Meanwhile, Hezekiah put on burlap sackcloth and went to the temple to pray, laying Shennacherib's threatening letter before the Lord. Outside, the Assyrian messengers were shouting blasphemies and mocking the silent listeners on Jerusalem's walls in the Hebrew language to weaken them through fear. Then God, through Isaiah, promised to King Hezekiah that he would, and did, deliver a decisively fatal blow to the Assyrians to make them withdraw from their attack. After this, God blessed King Hezekiah with honor and peace. 
In tomorrow's reading, we will learn how this time of prosperity became the optimum environment for King Hezekiah's pride to flourish, leading to the eventual Babylonian invasion, which will come in 586 BC, when Jerusalem will be destroyed and the people exiled. July 22, Day 103 we read that after God's deliverance from the Assyrian threat, King Hezekiah became deathly ill with a boil. Isaiah visited, but before he left, he prophesied that he would not recover. King Hezekiah immediately began to pray, and God sent Isaiah back to cure him. To prove that he would recover, God moved the sun's light backwards ten marks on the sundial, the first mention of timekeeping in Scripture. Following these two miracles, King Hezekiah became proud of all his treasures and the respect he received from the neighboring kingdoms. God withdrew his divine restraint from him to reveal the content of King Hezekiah's heart. When the Babylonian envoy came to congratulate him for his recovery, he proudly displayed all the treasures in the palace and in the temple. Isaiah prophesied that the visitors that he had tried to impress would now eventually return as his enemies and carry all these valuables back to Babylon, along with his sons as captives. Upon hearing this ominous prophecy, King Hezekiah strangely responded that this is good. Dr. John MacArthur, in his Bible commentary, 2005, page 804, says that this probably reflected his belief that this would happen after he has died and or he may have been trying to focus only on the bright part of the prediction. To me, it seems rather selfish. This ends this week's summary of the Bible readings. My next episode will pick up on the summary of the reading of July the 23rd, day 204. I look forward to your visit then. May God bless you.